there we go. Okay, this is a really uh, exciting uh, weekly portion because we are starting with uh, really the story of the Jewish people starts this week. We start with um, with the story of of Abraham, of Abraham and Sarah. Last week we discussed a little bit uh, in the Torah, but really this is when the story of Abraham and Sarah starts. So this is really uh, this is where it's at, and there's so much important information. We'll hit on a few points as usual. So in chapter 12, verse 13, it says that uh, the first uh, real episode we find with Abraham and Sarah, there was a famine in Israel. And they um, had to go to Egypt because that's where the food was. So they're going to Egypt, and uh, Abraham says, you know, he realized that uh, his wife was beautiful. Now, obviously, he always realized that his wife was beautiful. But he realized that he was entering a place which, unfortunately, uh, had a very low moral uh, barometer. And, unfortunately, they would... uh, if they saw a woman who they wanted to be with, who was married, they had this backwards uh, mentality that they wouldn't live with a woman who was married, but they would kill her husband so she wasn't married anymore. Real backwards, demented thinking. And um, that's what he was nervous about, that they were going to kill him. So he told his wife, you know what? Tell them that you're my sister. And that way they won't kill me. We could talk about that for a while, but Raji says an interesting thing over here. The verse says, tell them that you're my sister, and so they they will treat me well on your behalf. And also I want to live. Rashi says, you know what? If If they think we're brother and sister, not only won't they kill me, but they will make me rich. And it, it certainly sounds like they will, um, they will, uh, like Abraham will take the money. So the question which many commentators ask is that we find later on in, a, in the battle where Abraham got involved with to save his nephew with the uh, various king, kingdoms around, and Abraham is offered money and he does not take the money. He says, I won't take a shoelace. And here we see Abram even is anticipating uh, taking this great wealth from the king of Egypt. So the commentators ask, what's the difference? Why over here is Abram? And in fact, Abram does become rich from this story. He becomes a very, very wealthy man. So why over here is he happy to take the presents? And later on, he does not want to take a penny. So I saw a very um, fascinating explanation, which has a real practical uh, lesson, I think, for daily life. And it said, you know, sometimes to, to take is really an act of giving. But and everything really depends on the case. For example, we know when you have a little kid, you know, the little kid wants to feel important. So sometimes you'll take something from them, even though you don't need it or it's not worth anything because it makes them feel good. Or sometimes you might take something from someone if there's a benefit to it. 
let's say I have an organization and we try to do some good things and someone would offer to make a donation, which would help us do more of the work that we're doing. So obviously it will be wrong to not take the money because it's because it, you're accomplishing something good by taking. So we learned from here that it's not, it's not like, you know, it's a, it is a black and white rule that it's, 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 it's good to give and not good to take. It's always good to give. But the question is, sometimes you can have an activity that may look like giving and it's really taking or on the opposite, it's taking could be giving. So the two ways that taking could be an act of giving is one, the person who's giving it to you will really wants to give to you. So by taking, you're doing them a favor. Or when you take it, something great will be accomplished. And, and that is what Abraham used when he made the decision. So it's not about him becoming rich. It's about something good happening from that act. So, so that's uh, a nice lesson. It says in verse, a famous verse, a verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 3. Um, I got the verse wrong. Yeah, I got it wrong. I think it's 12, 3. Yeah, here you go. So God tells Abraham to uh, God tells Abraham to uh, leave where leave leave where he's from, and to go. Doesn't tell him where he's gonna go. So just go. Tells Abraham to trust him, and he says, "I will make what I will do for you." I will bless those who bless you, and those who cursed you, I will curse. So it's interesting. God says he'll bless those who will bless Abraham. So Reb Chaskel Levenstein says that we see from here that it's a good thing to give people blessings. It's a good thing to do. You know, we, 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 we actually give people blessings all the time. We don't even think about it because it becomes part of our vernacular. You say good morning, good evening, shalom, all these things, you, the meaning, they're, they're really, you say all the best, right? So if we're a little uh, present when we say, we're already saying all these things. So if we're real present when we say, we see that God says he's going to bless people who bless Abraham. It's a, it's a mitzvah to bless people it's significant when any, it says in the Talmud, it shouldn't, don't take lightly anyone's blessing. So we should bless people. We don't, and the truth is, we don't, as I said, we don't really even have to go out of our way because we're blessing people all the time anyway, just kind of mindlessly. So we, if we get a little, you know, have a little uh, presence of mind, we actually will be accomplishing a lot more. Okay, next lesson. Verse number, uh, this is uh, chapter 14, verse 18. So, it says over here, talking about there was a whole battle, and Malki Tzedek, who was Shane, Noah's son, comes out to greet Abraham, he brings out bread and wine, and then he says, "Blessed is Abraham, 
And then after that, he says, blessed is God. So he thanked Abraham for the, his help and the successful victory in this dangerous war. And then after that, he thanks God. And we find later that he was held accountable for this. It was inappropriate to think as wonderful and great as, as, as benevolent as Abraham was, he was not supposed, he, he certainly does not deserve um, to be thanked on a higher level than God. And I think for us, you know, um, this, this can have a very big impact in our lives because we should be very thankful to everyone and everyone who, who helps us in any way. And in a certain sense, sometimes it's easier to do that than to thank God. First of all, we don't see God. Some may not even realize that he's there. Or, and even more than that, if a person takes the time and realizes that they owe God and they have to thank God, it becomes like endless. Like it's easy to thank the mailman or thank a, 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 a clerk at a store because, you know, you, if you recognize that they did a favor for you, it won't take away from your self-esteem because you know how much you do without them. And this is why it's harder to thank parents, harder to thank spouses, people who you owe a lot to. It's harder to thank them. And, that, and that's a tendency. And we learn from here to make sure that at least, of course, don't all, remember always to always to thank God and in any context, actually, to thank God first. Um, you know, they, you know, certainly, uh, you know, you go to an event and you have, you know, someone who helped out a lot, someone helped out a little, and you end up thanking the person who did less, more. You know, it's uh, it, it's not appropriate, and we learned that from uh, this week's partial. Okay. Um, great. Okay, rolling along over here. Says in chapter 16, verse 5. Chapter 16, verse 5. Interesting thing. Says, so we're talking about where Sarah tried having uh, children for many years and she wasn't being successful. And they talked about taking on another wife, uh, Hagar, and she would, they would, the family would be able to have children through her. And apparently this woman they took on, she became pregnant right away. And she wasn't really having, a, she was getting a little high about it. She wasn't really being respectful to Sarah. And what does Sarah say to Avram? Sarah says, so Sarah said to Avram, the outrage against me is, is her mistress was lowered in her, sorry, the outrage against me is due to you. Basically, she blamed Abraham for the misbehavior of this other wife. It was I who gave my maidservant. And now that she sees that she has conceived, I became lowered in her in her esteem. Let God be the, be the judge. So what's she upset about? Of course, Abraham didn't want uh, this woman to say anything not nice. There's only not to think anything not nice to, to, to Sarah. Um, and, uh, so what's the problem? So Rashi says a, a very, very, uh, insightful answer. He says, 
It's not that. She says, Hamas ha'asoyi You stole from me. What did she steal? So I saw an explanation that Abraham stole something that was coming to her. What was coming to her was when someone is getting disgraced, someone is being put down, God is telling us there's an obligation, if at all possible, to, to, to speak up, to um, lift that person up in any way you can, either by lifting them up or by getting the other people to, 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 to stop. Um, so that's what she's telling Abraham. She's telling Abraham that you, uh, you're stealing from me because you didn't say anything. And I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm sure it was very slight level. But we learned from there that a person really does need to speak up if at all possible, and at least to lift the person up if you can't say anything. It's a famous story with her Moshe Feinstein great leader, passed away in the mid-80s in, in, in uh, the Lower East Side of New York, and he had this very, very fancy set of Talmud, and one time he went out of the, of the room, and this careless student knocked over a whole well of ink, or this fancy rare book, and some of the uh, other students got very upset at the other students. I mean, Feinstein walks in and says, wow, you know, I love that such a, I'm happy with that you know, it, it looks nice with the ink on it. You lifted him up. So that's a mitzvah we have to do. And it's not an easy thing to do. But at least if we can't say anything, at least we should uh, strengthen the other person. Okay. Now, there's a, a concept which we're going to see over the next few months called Maisa Avo Simen Labanim, which means... The stories that happen to our forefathers and foremothers, it's an indication, it's a foreshadowing of what is going to happen in, uh, in the future. And when we're supposed to learn from history. So there's two ways of understanding this. Um, one of them is, one second, verse, I wanted to focus on a particular verse, chapter 12. Verse 13. So we're here we're talking about where they're going to Egypt, and it's supposed to be a foreshadowing, just like Abraham and Sarah went to Egypt, the Jews would, would go to Egypt later. And we're supposed and and, and the, so the on the simple level, it just means kind of if you, you can learn history from there. But on a much bigger level, we're supposed to learn and see how they handled it, not just to know history. History is to know it, okay, fine, to know it. Very nice. Um, but uh, what do we learn from this story here? What happened? Abraham's going to Egypt, and he realizes that this place was a very immoral place. And he was trying to come up with a game plan. And we see that Abraham didn't just just let things unfold. He took a proactive role. So he came up with his whole plan with his wife. She's going to say that they're their brother and sister. But he, he realized that if he's going to be in a land that's not theirs, which 
we as Jews have been in that situation for thousands of years, what's the game plan? The way we're going to be successful is not by sitting back and just being reactive. We got to be proactive and not and recognize that mo most places, certainly the world the way it is now, there's so much that rolls against um, proper morals. And uh, the only way to do that is, 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 is to be proud of your morals and to stick up for them whenever possible. And uh, that's the way that Abraham was successful. And that's the way that we'll be successful. We can't just allow ourselves to get influenced and get used to what we see and think it's normal. In a lot of days, it's not normal. It's become normal, but it's not normal. And uh, that's the way Abraham was successful then. And that's the way uh, we'll be, we, we have been successful and we will continue to be successful. This week's portion, we have the uh, the first formal mitzvah. Certainly, that that Abraham got Abraham. There was no Torah when he was born. He found God, and he he learned. He figured out what God's wisdom was uh, based on looking at the world. He figured out all this. He just thought and thought and thought and thought and thought. And, and, and he ended up, God ended up revealing himself to him because he really, he really um, researched so much. So he really kept all the Torah before it was even commanded, because remember, it wasn't commanded until Mount Sinai. And ultimately, what happened later um, was that towards the end of this week's Torah portion, Abraham gets the mitzvah. Of circumcision, circumcised himself, 99 years old, then circumcised everyone in his house, and all males going forward on the on the eighth day of after they're born, assuming that 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 they're healthy. So you think, wow, Abraham finally gets his first commandment. And uh what happens? You would think he would jump at it. What does he do? He goes and he asks advice from his friends, Oner, Eshkel, and Mamre, which seems to be a little interesting. What, why is he having any hesitations? Until now, he's figured out what God wanted, and now he finally gets a, an a outright commandment, and he has to go get advice. What the advice for? God told him to do it. So I... I saw an explanation that, of course, he was going to do it. The question was, would he be public or would he be private about it? What was his dilemma? His dilemma was, you know what? He was in the, he was an outreach rabbi. Him and Sarah, they were out there trying to influence people to share monotheism to share, uh, you know, to share what's going on, and and, and he, people needed to feel comfortable with him. They couldn't feel like he was being aloof or anything greater than they were. And Avram was nervous if he would it would become public. Now he would be circumcising himself, 
it would people would feel like this guy's nuts. This guy is disconnected from this world, and therefore he didn't want. He thought it would impact his ability to influence other people. So he wasn't sure: should I do it public? Should I do it private? So two of the uh, friends he asked advice from said, "You know what? You're right. Keep it a private affair. Don't let the word get out there." His last friend says, "You know what? Get." Get the word out there. It's fine. That's that's the best way to do it. It's God's palm. Don't worry about the the influencing. That will happen. You got to do the right thing. And we find that God was pleased with that. In fact, that friend who gave the advice was very duly rewarded. And uh, that's what he did. Now, the question is, you know, it seems to be that 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 it was it, it would it, there was a trade-off. While it was the right thing to do, you know, God waited long enough. He waited till Abraham was ninety-nine. Or could have just waited till later? We waited till before Abraham died and do the circumcision then. Why all of a sudden? If it had some some you know he he had to make the best decision, but but why even have to make the decision? So the answer is, is that Abraham was about to become a parent, or he just became a parent. And for I don't get what he said. I don't hear that well. Uh, Abraham was. He was about to become a parent. Oh, parent. Oh. Father. Father. And he just had his son Isaac. So until then, he was just living for himself, you know, him and his wife. And, you know, when a person has, um, you know, limited, you know, yes, he, he was trying to influence the whole world. But this is, is a totally different level when you have the full responsibility of, of influencing someone in the way a person does for children and grandchildren. It really it certainly could apply to friends also in a certain way. And at that point, um, the advice that God was telling him and his friend was giving him is that if you want to be a proper influence on your child, you better be as perfect as you can be. You know, your, your priority needs to be your family. Yes, maybe it may have some effects on your work that you do for the community. And yes, of course, you should continue to work for the community. But your priority needs to be what's best for my kids. What's best for my family? What's best to the person who I'm really, really trying to to, to influence? And that's a real uh, that's a that's a real challenge. Real challenge, you know, uh, for a person has to be able to have that focus, to have the priority straight, and to have that balance. And we learn from Abraham that 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 is often in our situ in our life situations, we have to make trade offs. And uh, we have to know what, what is the priority in those trade-offs. And unfortunately, sometimes, usually pretty obvious when you're not in it, you see in other people, if someone is, you know, getting really involved in a community endeavor and their family gets left to the side or they get very involved in the community and they don't you know, take care of themselves. And we learn from Abraham that as important as it is to take care of the whole world, that's what Abraham did. But it was most important to do what's best what would be best for his son, was best for his son if he would not be quote-unquote hush-hush 
about um, the uh, circumcision. Okay, moving along. Chapter 14, verse 13. So here we're talking about, again, we have this war that Abraham gets involved in. And the way he gets involved in, he finds that out that his nephew, Lot, was captured. Okay? So how did he find out? There's a giant named Og. Og. Og runs, and he tells Abraham, you should know, you might want to get involved in this war because your nephew has been captured. Abraham thanks him and gets involved. We find that Og is very, very much uh, rewarded for this by God. And the question is, why? The Midrash tells us that Og actually had ulterior motives. He, his motive actually was to he liked Sarah. He wanted to get Abraham to go to war, die, because he probably would die, and he would get Abraham's wife. Pretty sinister intentions. But yet, he did do a good act. He did do something good. And not only did he do something good, it, had, it was very much rewarded. So what do you see from there? You see from there that we should never underestimate the value of doing anything good. We'll say, oh, it's not so important what I'm going to do. It's not, I don't have the best intentions. But anything good is very good. Good is good. And we shouldn't wait for perfection in ourselves or anybody else till we do something. And a really, really amazing story I heard. So um from the Blujava Rebbe. So unfortunately it was common in times of the Holocaust, you know, children didn't live. You know, uh basically the Germans got rid of people who couldn't work very fast. So children had a much higher uh, mortality rate. Uh, they they died much faster. So parents sometimes would try to find a way to save their kids. And one particular couple they had a quote unquote friend a non-Jewish person, and they brought their six-year-old child son to this non-Jewish friend, and they said, look, you know, we've been friends all these years, you know what's going on, Can we, we're going to give you our son to raise our son, and hopefully the war will end one day, we'll come back and get him, if we live. If we don't come back, here, they gave him, they gave this couple the address of a family they had in Canada, and a family they had in in Washington, D.C., and that was a story. Now, unfortunately, uh, maybe they were friends on some level, but the woman of this house truly was a kind woman, but she was not able to uh, suppress her Catholic uh, leanings, and she had, did not want to send this, this boy to the relative. She took care of the boy very nicely, but after the war, she, in fact, uh, when she saw the parents weren't going to come back, because, in fact, unfortunately, both his parents per perished. So she decides, you know, the relatives won't know. And in her mind, the best thing for the kid would be to baptize him. So she brings a 10-year-old child to the church. And the uh, priest says to her, you know what, you know, you're, you're, you're a devout uh, Catholic you know, why are you 
not bringing your child till he's 10 years old. That's kind of weird. He doesn't even, and the truth is, the kid doesn't even look like you. And first she tries pushing him off, and then she realizes that this this priest uh, is not going for her. And she tells him what happened. And he says, you know what? You know, I'm a religious man, and of course I would like him baptized, but it's the wrong thing to do because the parents trusted you. And to her credit, she sent the child off to Canada, and then he moved to D.C., and now he's, he, he, and he raised a beautiful Jewish family. Now, who was this priest? Well, this priest was? This priest was so unknown, not so famously by his real name, Carol, Carol Wajtyla. I probably pronounced that wrong. But otherwise known as John Paul II, the Pope. Pope John Paul II. And the Blue Jew Rebbe pointed out that there's no greater, quote-unquote, reward for such a person. And, me, and he did a small thing. He gave that advice. He's, and he saved the Jewish family. So we see no good act goes unrewarded. A couple more ideas here. Chapter 15, verse 5. So here we go. God uh, tells Abraham, don't worry, you're going to have children. And Abraham wasn't, Abraham and Sarah weren't physically able to have children. And uh, God tells him, don't worry, don't worry, you'll have children. And then he tells him, God takes Abraham outside. He took him outside and said, gaze now towards the heaven. And count the stars if you're able to count them. And he says to him, so shall your offspring be. Your children will be as numerous as the stars. Now, you can't count the stars. When when God challenged Avraham to count the stars, he says, Avraham, go outside and count the stars. You know what Avraham started to do? He started counting the stars. And then God cuts him off and says, you know what? Why are you counting the stars? You can't count the stars. He said, look, God, you said count the stars. So God says that the same way that you, it's impossible to count the stars, but yet you're endeavoring to do it, that you'll be, just like it looks like you can't have kids, I will, I will make it that you can have kids. And we learn from there that our job in this world, very often, we, we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We don't see how things are going to work out. But our job is, what's our job? To keep going. We keep pushing and pushing and want to do something. You know what? Often new vistas open up, new talents we, we discover, or God gives us new talents, new opportunities. And that's the destiny of the Jewish people. Jewish people are people who don't give up. We don't give up. We gave up. We want to be here. And that's another uh, sign we, we see from our, our forefathers and foremothers that that's the way it's supposed to be. Okay. Two more points, then we'll do our quick review. Chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1. Um, okay. 
beginning of the Torah portion, we mentioned before that God tells Avram to leave his land. Leave his land. It says to leave your land, leave your birthplace, leave your father's house, and go to an unknown destination. Who comes with Avram? His nephew, Lot. Now, Lot didn't get this charge from God. He didn't hear it directly from God. He came along with Avram because he thought that would be a good thing to do. Yet, this wonderful, ambitious, idealistic man, Lot, we find he ends up uh, not being Abraham. He's not far from it. He ends up being not such a good guy. He has some good things about him, but it's certainly a far cry. But yet at the beginning, he was so full of idealism. He went with Abraham on this very difficult journey, even though he didn't have a directive from God. What went wrong? So I saw that, that uh, Reb Hasman, he says, the difference is the cleanup job. See, Lotz went. He wanted to get what Abraham got. He wanted to grow. He wanted that um, the amazing um, high-level, meaningful life that Abraham had to offer with God. But he didn't want to let go of a lot of the uh, stuff he was still involved in that wasn't high-level things. Because if you look closely, when God said to leave, he didn't just say, get in the car and go. He said, you got to leave your land and leave your birthplace and leave your family's house, meaning there were things there he couldn't take with him because they would take away from the process. You know, if someone's trying to get healthy and they keep, and they, they're taking treatments and they're taking medicine that's supposed to help them, at the same time, they keep doing, eating and doing things which are making him unhealthy in the first place, he will never be able to become healthy. And the same thing over here, when it comes to spiritual and personality growth, there are things that you need to do proactively to help you grow. And there are things that you shouldn't be doing because they detract from it. And that was the difference. Lo did not do the act of leaving behind his family and his birthplace. Not that leaving behind family is always good. In this case, it was, it was, very, it was not a good influence on him. And that was the difference. Now, and Avram was practical about it. If you notice, God, he understands it's not easy to make change. It's not easy to let things go. And that's why he asked him to do it in the easiest order. He said, you know what? First, leave your lands. That's not so close to home. Then leave your birthplace. That's further. And then he said to leave your father's house even further. So you got it with time, gradually, in a healthy way, stop doing those things. And, and and pick the easier ones to start with. Last lesson. So, look, uh, Abraham is with his uh, his nephew, and his nephew was rich, Lot was rich, and Abraham was rich. And like we just said, Abraham and his nephew weren't exactly, uh, they weren't, they, they kind of parted ways a little bit. They weren't all on the same level. And there's an argument. An argument breaks out. It says there was a quarreling between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. They were having a disagreement, and it wasn't going well. 
And what does Abraham say? Abraham says, let there not be an argument between me and you, because we are brothers. He says, look, first it's called a riv. A riv is an argument, it's a masculine term. Then it says meriva, which is a feminine term. A feminine, the concept of feminine is growth, like a baby, something comes out from there. So what, what Abraham was saying was, right now, this argument is not very big. Okay, it's a little squabble between the, between the, uh, the herdsmen. But we are brothers. We are family. And we cannot afford that this turn into a growing fight. No one can afford a growing fight. But especially amongst family, when things can become even more hurtful and more sensitive, that we cannot allow for that. And therefore, Abraham said, we really, really have to nip this in the bud and make sure that, that there is no fighting. Because sometimes we feel, well, you know what? When it comes to family, it comes to people I'm close with, maybe with them I can get on their nerves. I can be not as sensitive. But to a stranger, I really have to make sure I don't. When really it's the opposite we learn from Abraham. The most important people to not agitate and to not get in fight with is the closer to home, it's more important. And that, and that was the story. So... Quick review, we learned about sometimes taking can actually be an act of giving. When you take, it makes other person feel good. You take something great is accomplished. We said how it's a, it's a mitzvah, it's a good thing to give people blessings. And we do it all the time anyway. Let's just be a little more cognizant of it. We talked about how we have to remember to thank God, not just thank people. And not only that, but thank God first. We talked about if someone is being disgraced, to at, if you can speak up or at least raise the person's spirits. Talked about how all the stories that we see in the Bible, there are, they're all foreshadowing, forecasts of what's going to be. And not only that, we need to learn and see how they handle things. And that will help us. We, we learned about having your priorities straight. And having, sometimes you may have a conflict between influencing others and helping the community, helping your family, helping someone closer to you. And the general rule is that the closer someone is to you, especially family, there may have to be a trade-off and keeping those priorities straight. We talked about how the slightest good deed is good, even if it's not with the best intentions. And it could be better, but good is good. And don't um, underestimate your own good deeds or, or, or anyone else's. We talked about how a person can try to count the stars, try to do something, even if it doesn't look like it could possibly happen. But God can make anything happen, and you can find out amazing opportunities and talents that maybe you didn't have before. And if you do your best, God opens things up. We talked about what was the difference between Abraham and Lot, that Abraham was he 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 didn't uh, he, he didn't have baggage with him. He worked on getting rid of the baggage that was holding him down, and Lot didn't. And lastly, learn how 
you know, you don't want fights to escalate, to grow out of hand in any situation, but especially when it comes to those close to us and family. So have a good Shabbos.